Divine Truth Feedback Jesus, Mary and others give personal or group feedback to people who have asked for personal assistance. Jesus and Mary give personal feedback to Kathleen Skelton on the subject of New Age philosophies and God's truth. This session was recorded on the 24th of December 2015 in Wilkesdale, Queensland, Australia. This is part one. Welcome to another personal feedback session. Today, Jesus and I are going to be responding to an email which we received from a lady who lives in the USA. Her name is Kathy Skelton. So I'll read the email. She's asked us a number of questions. And so uh, I'll read the complete email, then we'll go back and answer the individual questions. Does that sound all right? Or you want to do it as we go? Yeah, I think we can do it as, as we, we go, go, probably. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. <laughs> Dear Jesus and Mary, first let me thank you for all your efforts at teaching what you believe to be true. Mm. It's our pleasure. And by the way, we don't believe it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> we know it's true because, you know, we've had the experience of it. Yeah. I was recently awakened after a bout of se severe anxiety. I inadvertently saw some near-death experience videos when looking into meditation to cure my affliction, <laughs> and my life has taken a massive turn. Where I was an atheist before with only a belief in science and what, and what we can measure, I now see the error in those beliefs. Needless to say, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably I like to comment about that. that and I feel that all of God's truth is scientific in nature, anyway. So, so in a lot of ways, we have a lo have a lot in common with people who are atheists, mm -hmm. with one exception, and that is they don't believe in God. Mm. And I, but I also find that most atheists don't believe in God, mostly because of how religion has acted throughout history mm -hmm. and also because the religious viewpoint of god is obviously not very logical or 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 scientifically backed up mm. and so and so i feel a lot of times a lot more closely aligned to to people who um have a belief in science than than what people may imagine yeah. and in fact and in fact everything that we have ever done and discovered ourselves has all been aligned completely with science and aligned with scientific fact. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, I feel God's truth is scientific fact. Yeah. Um, it's just not, the problem with science is that it doesn't examine things that it can't see yeah. very well. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas here we have, there, there are scientific ways to examine things you can't see, just like there are scientific ways to do experiments to examine things that are so minute that you can't see them. Yeah. And, uh, and so I feel that once science recognises the, the possibilities of examination of all the facts, not mm -hmm. only the facts that they can see or that they believe are there, mm -hmm. but rather things that they have not up to this point accepted a belief of, then all the scientific truth about those particular things can easily be established. Because mm. so. really, uh, scientific inquiry begins with a hypothesis, which is then tested and proven. Yes. And as yet, a lot of these hypotheses, if you like, haven't been um, 
posited by people in scientific fields in order to measure the correct things. And that's because a lot of people in scientific fields don't believe them in the first place. So in some ways... they don't allow the possibility. Correct. So in some ways they are in a religion. Yes. (laughs) Like, you know, there's religious faiths who do the same thing with science, Mm -hmm. who won't allow certain possibilities to be correct because because they don't feel that, you know, they are true. And science is also doing that with other truths as well. Mm -hmm. And and we, as as a human race, we need to get out of that habit and that habit is driven by a lot of emotions within the human race that cause it to want to only believe certain things and to reject other things. Mm. But once you get out of that habit, you are you become a scientist in mm. a pro, in a proper sense, in that you're looking at all the possibilities that are available to you in the universe, not just ones that are based on material facts. So when I say material facts, I'm talking about the material that you can see or touch or feel. And there's much, a lot of material in the universe. As science knows, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of material in the universe. In fact, 90% of material in the universe cannot be seen. Mm. And there's a reason for that. And that's because most of that material exists in the spiritual realms rather Mm -hmm. than the physical. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I feel that once we start to put, once scientists start to put forward um, hypotheses, in, in these kind of directions, that we will actually be able to measure things. So while at the moment this um, this idea that spirituality is all about, you know, a, a philosophy, a, philosophy, really. <laughs> a blind faith yeah. or, or things that are immeasurable, I actually feel in the future we're going to see um, measurable outcomes. Definitely. We, we have measured these outcomes in yes. the spirit world in our own existence. And we also know that there are, is the potential of doing so here on the earth. It's just that there are, you know, it's, that's not our, uh, desire to do it ourselves, mm-hmm. obviously, because we, we want to share what we have discovered rather than, rather than just spend a whole heap of time proving one thing and another yeah. thing scientifically. There's a whole heap of things that we need to share that we're, what we've discovered scientifically over 2000 years of life. And, and we can't present all that by then also engaging in all the experiments that we've already done. Yeah. And as anybody would know, a scientist that's already, that already knows something doesn't go then and spend the whole heap of time just justifying what they know all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why we do what we do. But we do feel that pe- there will be groups of people, scientists, who eventually come to accept some of the truths, not so much accept them, but accept the possibility of them. And this will allow them to investigate these truths and to discover whether they are real or not. Mm -hmm. And once they have discovered, just like they've discovered electronics and other things that are real that weren't discovered hundreds of years ago, so too um, they'll discover a whole heap of new things regarding the human soul and other other related facts that are real and uh, and scientifically based Mm -hmm. and once that happens then obviously there'll be a lot more evidence and proof because there there will be the empirical data that can be presented as well yeah yeah Mm. okay so kathy says needless to say coming from a life of those beliefs which was the the atheistic scientific beliefs yeah I have done many things which I now know are out of harmony with God's divine truth Mm. as you teach Mm. I've been watching many hours of your videos and continue to have a few questions that I hope you could either answer in this email 
or that possibly you would add to your FAQ video series so that others could benefit. Yes. So what we're doing instead, Catherine, is uh, so, Kathy. So, Kathy, Kathy. Is, is that we are uh, giving you this feedback session <laughs> and uh, later it'll probably be clipped up into different answers. Yeah. But uh, the reason why we've done that is we feel you've answering, you're asking many questions in a very, very sincere manner mm-hmm. and there's not, um, you, there is not this blockage that many people have when they send us questions. And also the other reason why we've done this is that Answering questions via email is very time consuming and very, very difficult in terms of the use of our time. So we find now that it's really, really impossible for us to answer questions via email. So mm. we're doing it via a video instead. <laughs> okay. I know I've had at least one significant sin in the past, abortion, and have spent years prior to this current time feeling badly and grieving over my actions Mm. even though I had no belief in God nor the belief in a soul that carries on eternally. Mm. Is it possible to have repented for this sin through all of my self-reflection and sorrow over the years? Of course I have grieved anew after learning your teachings. Yes, well, yes, I agree. You have already processed quite a lot emotionally and it's highly unlikely you would actually repeat your, you know, an, an abortion again. And, uh, uh, but, but there are still areas that you need to work on with regard to fully repenting for, for the sin of abortion. The, the, and remember every time I use the word sin, I'm using the word as, a, as an action taken out of harmony with love. So, so, so abortion is an act out of harmony with love, out of, particularly out of harmony with love of the, of the newly incarnated child, mm-hmm. the soul, the newly incarnated soul. Now, um, you have felt about the abortion itself and you've felt the remorse of, of that, but you've not actually felt about some of the reasons why you chose to abort the child, which were... Uh, a, very much related to um, the pressures that you were under at the time that caused you to make the decision. And so my suggestion to you is to reflect upon those particular issues as well. But as you have already grieved uh, your decision, that is, you've definitely began the process of seeing the sin, firstly having an awakening to it, and you've also begun the process of feeling repentant for mm-hmm. the sin. So so in Kath- is it Kathleen's case? Kathy. Kathy, Kathy's Kathy. case. Um, I always want to say Kathleen for someone, but anyway, um, Kathy, in Kathy's case, um, the, the, um, the situation is that, that yes, she has begun the process of repentance. There's, it's not complete yet because she's yet to examine some of the reasons why she, she chose the act rather than just feeling sorry about the act. And, mm-hmm. and, one, and repentance is actually complete once we understand the reasons why we chose the act and we repent for those particular mm-hmm. reasons as well. So, so you mean that we <coughs> deal with, so those reasons in themselves, the justifications or the, 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 the way we justify taking the yes. action. What justify, what inside of me justified me taking this life? Yeah. And she's worked on some of it already. Some of it is related to the fact that she only viewed things from a scientific principle mm-hmm. perspective. That, mm-hmm. That's one of her justifications, in fact. Mm-hmm. And so she's worked through that particular justification. She's worked through also she can see the sanctity of life now better than she could before. Mm-hmm. So she's worked through that one. But there's other ones relating to relationships in particular with men and, and, mm-hmm. and also 
taking responsibility personally that she has yet to work her way through. Mm. And so you're saying within all of, <clears throat> just generally for everyone, yep. within all of the justifications that we have for taking a sinful action or an unloving action, an yep. unloving action um, within those justifications we need to um, see the sin in those justifications and let them go as justific- as things that we believe are Yes, it's more than that, though. Seeing the sin of those justifications involves digging deeper emotionally into what what what, what were the emotional reasons. So, for what those what fears were driving my justification? What false belief? What anger? What Correct. grief? Any of those things need to be felt and let go. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. down to disillusionment. You know, mm-hmm. some people abort a child just because they're disillusioned with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all sorts of emotions, depending on the severity of them, mm-hmm. that would cause a person to take the action of harming a child. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do is uh, work our way through those particular issues. That was the first thing I wanted to raise. The second thing that needs to be raised about the subject is that she's yet to fully uh, repent towards God for the action. Mm-hmm. She's felt sorry towards the child, the child. Yeah. and uh, felt sorry for her actions in that regard. But But actually... There are things that only God can solve here. And, and this is uh, something that we talked about. I think it was in the feedback we gave about the law of compensation and forgiveness and repentance, which was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are things that only God can do to remedy this problem. And, 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 and Kathy needs to allow herself to ask God to help to, to remedy these particular things as a part of the process of repentance. Mm. So just to recap on what you've said, you initially said that you feel Kathy has started this process of repentance and part of the indication for that is that she wouldn't take the same action again. Mm. Um, But she still needs to do more work on why she chose it and also working with God to really ask for God's forgiveness in the way that she's... And also ask for God's help to... to, um, remedy the situation because only really God can assist in that process. So to assist her child that was aborted and things like that, she can't actually do anything apart from... Apart from what she's already doing. Yeah. She can't change, she can't bring the child back to earth and so the child can have a chance of life on earth. Yeah. And and that's recognising that fact can actually... Uh, and and asking God to help help her child mm-hmm. um, can help can help the child greatly. The other thing is that to obviously, if she starts feeling love for the child, mm-hmm. then that also will help the child greatly as well. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than feeling ashamed of what she's done and punishing herself for what she's done, it would be better that she begins to feel some love and desire for the child. I'm fairly sure now she's met the child in her sleep state, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so, you know, she's already begun a relationship with the child, which she can continue in her awake and sleep states. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a part of helping the child who passed over in a condition where it didn't feel loved. Mm-hmm. And and now that it can have some of its mother's love, then obviously it's going to be- benefit the child quite, quite a lot. Yeah. We did a channeling some time ago, didn't we? Unfortunately, we didn't record it yeah. with a whole heap of children that were miscarried and aborted. Yeah. And, and they have terrible feelings they have to address. And so it's very important for mothers who have aborted or even miscarried a child to work their way through emotionally what actually occurred rather than, um, rather than ignore the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
just a final point on that before we move on to the next question. Kathy's essentially asking if she has started, if she can have started repenting to, about a sin which she really didn't recognise consciously as a sin. And I most think, people do. Yes, I think a lot of people will be interested in that idea mm. that it's possible that we, because of this inbuilt conscience that we have Correct. from God, which is and there, also don't forget yeah. we've got our spirit friends who mm-hmm. know better than we do about what God's love is, and they are often. You could term, use the term pricking our conscience, you know, <laughs> yes. like putting a pin in it and saying, you got to yeah, see yeah. this thing. And as a result, this is what's happened to Kathleen, even though, uh, Kathy, even, even though she has not had a history of acknowledging God or acknowledging the soul's life after death or any of those things, and, and she was more of an atheist than, mm-hmm. than anything else, even though that's been the case, the conscience has bothered her and yeah. that's caused her to grieve. Yeah. And so she actually began repentance mm-hmm. without actually involving God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, great. Mm. Jesus, you say that you're not special <laughs> and that you should not be considered so. Mm. But why did God choose to remove the errors of your parents for, from only you in the first century life? There's why a, does, There's a very simple reason. Mm-hmm. And that is that God foreknows everything and God foreknew that I would have the desire to follow through, I'd be the first one who, who was alive up to that point who would have that desire to connect to God and to discover God's truth. Mm-hmm. And in the foreknowledge, God knew that I would need some assistance to do that. Mm-hmm. And so God gave me the assistance to do it, knowing that I would probably do it or that I would do it. Because, and, I'm sorry. And that's why, that's why it happened. If God felt that it would not have, uh, that I would not have done it, mm-hmm. then God would not have given me that assistance. It, he would have waited and given it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> because also there was this um, feeling from God, wasn't there, that if one person could do it on earth, then that would kind of open a great deal of hope and possibility and faith yes. for everyone else. Yes. So it was just the aspect of having one person actually achieve that uh, at one state with God. Yeah, I think you you're say? missing the point of what I'm trying to make, okay. though, and that is that, that the decision was made by God at, at the time of my conception or mm-hmm. even before. Mm-hmm. And this is why sometimes I have in the past used the term that I was sent by God mm-hmm. in the sense that God knew that our soul mm-hmm. and, and particularly the male part of that soul because of the circumstances and situations that involved females and males in, this, in the first century, yeah. would, he knew that that part of the soul would, would take up that challenge if given the opportunity, mm-hmm. whereas before then no one would have given the degrees of different their personalities and different degrees of uh, injury that existed within the soul, no one before me would have taken that opportunity. And so God had to wait for humanity to get to a stage where there was somebody who would come along who would actually take the opportunity. And once God recognised that, that there was a, you know, once, once the person who God knew would incarnate with that, with that desire incarnated, then God could actually assess that person mm-hmm. by removing the one injury that needed to be removed, which is the injury of low self-worth, which all of humanity actually has. And once that particular injury was removed, God knew that, that this person would then choose to discover the things that God um, wanted the human race to discover. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way in which God made the decision. Now, if 
if if I if our soul was not that soul that would have discovered those particular things, then it would not have been offered such an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So so in my mind, that does not make us special. It makes us uniquely qualified by some personality traits, which, by the way, God created. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not ours by by the fact that we manufactured <laughs> we didn't them. We design them. And God created them in the first place, and God knew that the personality traits of that individual arriving at that time on earth would des- that individual would desire to establish a relationship with God if given the opportunity of the worth, you know, being being level a level playing field, the mm-hmm. same worth. And all he basically did was give me the same worth that Ammon and a man had in the first, in, in, in the, as the first human couple, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, basically, if he was thinking of them that in that way. Mm-hmm. They had an opportunity, which, which was that they were perfect without, they were without sin when they were created. And they had an opportunity to sin or to not sin. So, so I still had in the first century, even after God removed, the the sin, if you like, mm-hmm. of of low self worth, the 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 feeling of low self worth that drives humanity, that's been present in humanity ever since a man and a man. I still had the opportunity to sin. Mm-hmm. I just did not take the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And and God foreknew that that there was going to be eventually a soul on the planet that would choose to do that. And whether that was ours or someone else's, mm-hmm. it really does not matter very much um, as long as somebody came along. <laughs> There's a lovely statement that's in the, I think it's the Life Elysian, it says that the water was rising over a long period of time and nobody really noticed until the, until the soul came along that actually yeah. embraced the opportunity that God was offering. And what was that opportunity, just so we can... To receive God's love. To receive God's love, um, so God knew, God offered, made the opportunity to that moment mm-hmm. because God knew that that was the soul that would probably take the opportunity given the help that God had already given it. Yeah. And this is, this is why I keep saying to people that we are not special yeah. because it, I, I am very co- cognizant of the fact that, that God gave us many opportunities, one of which is that God created our personality in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, there was the, the humanity rose to the condition where a person could come along and, and want to have this relationship with God. And thirdly, God then helped that person so that all humanity could have that opportunity. God yes. helped that person so that, so that that person wouldn't have the taint of sin before they made their choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. So God gave that person the, the opportunity mm-hmm. that he also gave the first human couple. Yeah. And that's why I'm often referred to as the last Adam, yeah. or, you know, that's the Bible term. But that is a, something that I did say in the first century in the sense that I was offered the same opportunity as a mon and a man were offered mm. and, and no other opportunity other than that. And mm-hmm. I could have chosen to sin just like a mon and a man did. Yeah. And just because you're perfect... Uh, in love, it doesn't mean that you can't choose sin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second part of Kathy's question then. Yeah. Um, so why doesn't God do that for all souls that incarnate? This very intervention would imply that there is something special about you. Uh, if he can do it for one, why not for all? It would change the world if he, she were to do it. This yeah, is, this I can't very thing agree seems, with a lot of these statements. It, yeah. yeah. So, so, so if I so just if finish, finish them and we go back over. Yeah. This very thing seems inconsistent. How do you reconcile this? Yeah. So let's go back. So over go back. It. So I feel what, that we need to discuss things as they arise, as I've talked about with you, because I don't like to see untruth presented without somebody without having to go back over. 
Okay, so why does God not do, does not, why does God not remove the errors of everyone's parents when they incarnate? There are a lot of reasons why God does not do it. Firstly, many of the persons, once God removed it, would not choose to, to accept God's love anyway, just like a mon and a man didn't choose to accept God's love. So, so there's no guarantee that if you remove the sin of a person that they will actually um, accept God's love anyway. And that, that, mm-hmm. is a, that is a personal choice and decision. Mm-hmm. Secondly, God is economical. God doesn't do anything that God doesn't need to do. So, so once one person had, had taught the truth to the world, there's no need for another to do it. You know, there's no need, when I say another, there's no need for another to be put through the same process that I, that I had to go through myself. Mm-hmm. And, and even though God did that for me, my life in the first century was very, very difficult because being placed in that position as a child, I was very much opposed to the general children of the day. Mm. And that caused actually those children to have quite severe attacks towards me. And those attacks continued from childhood right the way through to my death. Mm-hmm. So, so the average person on earth, God is actually visiting upon the person in some ways. Mm-hmm. The fact, the fact that he is giving them the opportunity to be in a perfect estate means they are very, very different from everyone else in society. Mm-hmm. And, and if God did that to, to not to all, but just to one mm-hmm. person or another person, uh, there is, a, there is the high likelihood that that person would have the same experience that we had or I had in the first century. And that is have a very, very traumatic life. Now, God doesn't create any trauma. Uh, or no for no trauma and and then create it purposefully mm. god does it god only does these things for reasons so so there's no point in another person going through the same trauma i had to experience in the first century in order to bring god's love to earth however we are all aiming for that aren't we now to to um remove the sins of the, our parents that we've inherited and yeah, to receive I'm not talking God's about love. that trauma though. You're talking about the from birth experience of not of being completely out of I was ostracized, ridiculed and generally condemned and and violently treated most of my life. And, and pretty much all my life in the first yeah. century. Sorry, I'm just trying to specify and that was largely because you didn't have the sin that others around you had, so you were immediately from birth in opposition. And, to, and therefore exposed to their potential violence. Yep. Yeah. Whereas all of us now doing it, we are adults, we're mm. working through things, we are... And that was almost not a choice of mine. Yeah. He, he knew that I'd make the choice to, to do it, but, mm-hmm. but God placed me in this position where where he knew that I'd be able to handle that particular, those particular issues. Mm-hmm. But, but it wasn't that I had, had made that intellectual choice right at the time of birth when God cleared away the Adamic sin, if you yeah. could call it that, or, yeah. the, or the sin that, of a man and a man, which was the, really the sin of walking away from God and having, have, having your worth destroyed as a result. Yeah. And, and so not all, not all things needed to be removed from me. It was only that thing that needed to be removed in order for me to, to, to take these actions. Yeah. So, so firstly, I wouldn't, if it was just a few people, then I would say that they would have an extreme amount of, of problems in their life, just like I did in the first century, mm-hmm. unless they're doing it like we are currently doing it. And even then we're getting large amounts of attack. Yeah. Um, most people would not 
be able to cope with even a small amount of attack that we receive, mm-hmm. uh, even in our current life, mm-hmm. let alone the life that we had then. Yeah. And so, so God is loving in the way that God has, has present, prepared humankind and also presented God's truth to humankind and presented the option of receiving God's love to humankind. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that um, there, there are a number of other reasons, and, and yeah. we could go on this subject for quite a few days, actually, because there are a lot of reasons. But I'm just trying to give a few basic reasons of why God wouldn't do it. I can think of another (coughs) very significant one that we've talked about recently. Sure. Um, And that is about how really the the visitation of a parent's sin upon their children is one of the most powerful uh, feedback mechanisms for a person to come to recognise their sin. Mm. Um, and many parents, even who don't have an interest in God, have experienced that uh, where they realise, wow, I've done something to my child or I can see something in my child that came from me that's now causing them pain. Yeah. I need to look at myself. Yeah. And really, if God removed everyone's... Uh, it would be like removing the consequences of people's sinful actions, would it not? Yes, yeah, see, see, God only removed the consequences of the parental actions in my part. Yeah. I still had the choice to sin or not sin, and I took the choice to not sin mm-hmm. all through my life. But, but I, had a, I could have easily sinned just like Ammon and Amman did. Mm. Um, but, but God knew that my desire for God was strong enough to pull me through and, and, and also to to not desire to sin. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting is that if God just took away the full sin of mankind without their choice being be, being engaged, yeah. um, then then obviously God would be breaking God's own laws. Yeah. And and that obviously God will not do. Mm-hmm. So humankind's sin is a direct result of their own choices. And and so and and so God only removed from me the, the choice that Adam and Eve or Ammon and a man made. Right. He didn't remove the, the other choices, mm-hmm. the choices that I could have possibly made mm-hmm. in, in sinning. And the problem with removing humanity's sin en masse without there being an understanding of how sin can be removed, and I had to personally learn how sin could be removed mm-hmm. in order to help people remove it. And if that learning had not occurred, then obviously you're removing the effects of something without uh, actually touching or understanding the causes yeah. of such things. And God doesn't do that either. So, so there are literally hundreds and hundreds of reasons why God can't do what uh, Kathy is suggesting God should probably do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and I need to emphasize this, in removing the Edemic sin or the sin from a man and a man, I was then exposed to the potential of huge amounts of violence and ridicule that the average person in the first century was not exposed to. And, and so, you know, that, that in itself, there were, there were pros and cons of what, of what was done, I, I must say. And for, you, for you personally? For me personally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, obviously, I don't see it as that, as that anymore. Um, you know, I, when I say anymore, I don't see there being any negative thing about what God has done. Mm-hmm. But, 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 you have to be prepared to experience quite a lot of pain if you want to go through that process. Because mm-hmm. you, you weren't without pain just because these... Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. And obviously my, uh, my ability to candle pain was different to other people's as a result of my not living in fear. Mm-hmm. But that only occurred once I become at one with God. Before mm-hmm. then, of course, I had pain and fear associated with pain. 
And I dealt with those particular emotions as I grew. Mm -hmm. And there were many painful experiences mm. in, in my life in the mm. first century. Yep. So, so it's important for people to understand that while it may seem that I had some kind of advantage, in the end there was also disadvantages associated with being in the position I was in. Mm -hmm. and, and so God did what God needed to do in order to allow a person to be able to uh, receive God's love and God and God knew, foreknew, that that person would desire God's love, and so God at that time offered God's love again, mm. and 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 I embraced it, which I could have chosen not to do, yeah. since I had free will. And I suppose I sort of see it as a lot of people say, "Oh, it's you were special. God did that for you." For me, I feel like no, God did that for all of humanity. Correct. It all wasn't of humanity. For me. No, no, not and as you've pointed out, it didn't necessarily bring you uh, a great, like a trouble-free life. In no. fact, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. But it was something that happened between God and our soul, yes. which was to create an opportunity for all, all of humanity, humankind. and not just in the time that we lived, but forever, forever after. Afterwards, yeah. Um, and so it. To me, it's not about a single person. It's about a very, very special gift that God wanted to give to all of humanity. Yeah, it's yeah. a gift to all of humanity mm. that God gave the opportunity to one person yeah. to who God foreknew would actually take the opportunity and God helped that one person to take the opportunity and, and, and that is a gift to humanity. Because it became a demonstration, as as you talk about all the time, yes. of a potential for everyone. Yeah, it demonstrated yeah. the reality so yeah. people could have faith yeah. that they could do it. And they could do it in a much less painful manner that I, than I experienced yeah. because they would have less attack or less, you know, mm -hmm. potentially less attack than what uh, I experienced. And, and the majority of people who have become at one with God, particularly those in the spirit world, have received very little, if any, attack, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, you know, they've had a much more gentle experience with regard to the process than I had in the first century yeah. um, and that I'm having now mm. because of the, the, I suppose you could say, the position that I've been placed in this time around as well and all the 14 have been placed in. Yeah. So the, four, the 14 who returned are um, experiencing the same kind of trauma um, that I have experienced or have been experiencing both in the first century and in this life. Mm. And many of them are not choosing at this stage to, to embrace that process, uh, which, you know, um, which is a process that has its, has its difficulties, <laughs> as yeah. anybody would know who, who is starting to follow the path properly. And, of course, in, in this time on earth, in this return as we've returned to earth yep. you really are the only one out of the 14 of us who has really embraced the opportunity the new opportunity that mm. has that god uh, and the 14 of us or the seven souls we decided to um, try to create a new opportunity yes. on earth for humanity yep. and you certainly have been the only one who has embraced that fully mm. um and but that, that being said um there are, again, reasons why that's the case. Yeah. Um, firstly, I have a memory of my first century life mm -hmm. and my first century embracing of the opportunities. On earth. On earth, yeah. whereas the others do not. They all generally embrace, they embrace some divine truth on earth and divine love on earth, but the majority of them, all of them became at one with God in the spirit world. And, uh, and so I was the only person to do it on earth. So, so it's easier for me 
coming back to Earth to retain some faith in the process that I can potentially do it. On Earth. On while Earth, on Earth. While yeah. on Earth. Whereas it's much more difficult for the rest of the 14 to, to retain that belief, if you like, or have some faith in that. So that there are even reasons there as to why I am. That being said, because I'm the first person, I'm the person that still gets attacked the most. Well, and so this is what I was going to say. And also in this, uh, in, in this time, God has not removed that no. sin. So you're actually facing quite exactly. a trial in life without having this kind of um and on top of that getting of attacked and being yeah. being at the forefront of the whole mm. thing you also get attacked the most so exactly. so yeah. so whatever advantages i had the first time around i certainly don't have now <laughs> and in fact there are quite a lot of disadvantages but god knows me well enough to know <laughs> that i desire god's love and i desire yeah. to 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 share god's truth more than i desire my own uh welfare yeah. um, and, and as a result of that, God's pretty confident about my abilities even when I'm not. <laughs> and I can't say that I'm confident that we will achieve what we came to achieve um, at this stage because, you know, it's an experiment. It's yeah. not something that I foreknow myself. Mm-hmm. Only God foreknows what the outcome is going to be of this visit to earth. And uh, I, I feel quite strongly it will be my last visit to earth. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but only God foreknows what the outcome can be. Yeah. So for for myself and all the fourteen who have returned. Yeah. yeah. Because also each of us has have our own just as you did in the first century, we each God doesn't Im- interfere with our free will choices. Mm. And so we each have free will decisions in front of us every single day that yes. impact upon the success uh, of or, or the failure. or failure of this experiment. Correct. Yeah. 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 So um, obviously, yeah, there's a lot more involved than just answering this for 10 minutes or something like that. But, <laughs> if we just but quickly... hopefully we've given her, uh, Kathy, uh, uh, some of the reasons why God can't do what she's suggesting, yep. which include God would be breaking God's laws, God, God would be really... removing the effects. effects of things from humanity rather than addressing the causes, which yep. is against God's laws, and God yep. won't do anything against yep. God's own laws. The offer that God made to me in the first century was had certain conditions imposed upon it that the majority of humanity probably wouldn't want. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you certainly yeah. uh, went through quite a bit. Yes, because both then yeah. and now, um, that that the average person on this planet would never need to experience. And also it wasn't about making you special. It was about God creating a special opportunity, opportunity for, for humanity. humanity. There's just one thing that I think you may want to address, one of the statements. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy's saying that if God did this for everyone, it would change the world. No. It, it won't change the world for a number of reasons. You know, obviously God, God could, mm-hmm. but firstly God can't because the soul of these individuals doesn't have the desire for God to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, in the, my first century life... I had this desire that I can remember ever since I can remember anything. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this desire became a part of my, my, was a part of myself. And, and obviously God created it as a part of me in a stronger way than any others. I, and I've got no explanation for that. <laughs> um, but, but the reality is I cannot remember a time when I was not open towards God. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And the reality is that's how God could actually clean the soul from the Adamic sin. Mm -hmm. If I did not have that soul-based openness, my soul would have prevented God from doing it. Mm -hmm. And and God will not break God's own laws in order to do it. Mm -hmm. And the majority of humankind right now are in the condition where they do not want God to do it. So, so to, to, for God to do it en masse, to do it with everyone, which, which is really what would need to occur for all pain and suffering to cease, or all humanity would need to make the choice themselves to do it. And for God to do it, God would have to break so many of God's own laws that it's yeah. actually not going to be possible. And if God was then broke the laws, which formed the very fabric of, of the universe, the universe What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And also, would God impact upon everyone's will? If God left everyone's will intact, then there's still the potentiality. This is what I'm saying. For the choice for sin. And so it wouldn't really, it's not a long-term solution. No, it's not a long-term solution. (laughs) Ammon and a man chose sin, even though they were perfect. So, so, so just because you're made perfect by someone else, it doesn't mean that you can't choose sin. Mm -hmm. So it's not a long-term solution. Mankind has to come to the point where they want to not sin anymore. And that is the long-term solution. And if we think about that, when when humanity, when individuals within humanity reach the decision, the will base, they develop their will enough to say, I no longer want to sin, then God does have a system in place where there is the removal of, of sin. inherited sin, which is called repentance. repentance. Exactly. Yeah. So there is, it's actually... It's actually all in place right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the majority of people aren't embracing it, of course. Yeah. But it is all in place right now. Yeah. The gift was already given 2,000 years ago. It was given, and the gift is still op- the opportunity to remove sin from your heart it exists right now. Mm-hmm. God can't do it while you oppose it. Yeah. And and Kathleen is a demonstration of that in some regards because she's worked through some of this sin about abortion, mm-hmm. and she she she's come to terms with some of the things she's doing. She's started the process of repentance. So she's starting the process, in fact, that all humankind will need to address at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the long-term solution, isn't it? Mm, that's yeah. the long-term solution. Yeah, okay. Mm. Now, there's obviously a lot more we could say about that, but I think we've answered it concisely enough to, for, for <laughs> yeah. her to understand some of the reasons why God can't do what she's suggesting. Yeah, it's a big topic, isn't it? Yes, but it I, is. I feel you've given a good answer. Yeah. Okay. My husband thinks my journey into finding the truth is absurd (laughs) and that I'm mentally unstable for even considering it at all. Do you have any feedback that you could provide on how you recommend folks handle situations like this with their spouse? Can we go back to the first sentence and you say that again? My husband thinks my journey into finding the truth is absurd and I'm mentally unstable for even considering it at all. Well, Cathy, I would present to your husband that actually if you're absurd, then he's also absurd because he actually follows God's truth almost every day of his, well, he does every day of his life. God's truth is scientific fact. So the reality is when he walks out and he doesn't fly off into space, he's following the truth of gravity. Mm. When he jumps in a plane and flies from one place to another, he's following the truth of the law of aerodynamics. You know, when he loves you, he's following the truth of the laws of love. Mm-hmm. He, he's demonstrating in his day-to-day life that he's already following a lot of the truths that he's then saying you, you're observed trying to discover. <laughs> so, and you're, you're saying he's not only following it, he's accepting it. He's accepted he's it. Accepted he, he, God's he has truth, complete yeah. faith in it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but he, does, he just has complete faith in the part that he can see or not so necessarily that he can see that has already been proven to him. Yeah. And I would suggest to you, that 
that your husband, if he was more open uh, to seeing that there's a potential of truths that he doesn't know being presented to him that would that would actually cause him to enjoy his life even further, then he would probably be very passionate about discovering God's truth. Mm-hmm. The reality is that God, that men and women on the planet all have the potential of discovering God's truth, and all of us right at this moment are already embracing God's truth but only in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between what I'm teaching and what the average person on earth experiences. They're embracing divine truth only in certain physical accepted, society accepted areas. That's all. Mm-hmm. And that there are this, there's this huge area of life uh, on earth and in the spirit world, that, and he will see that there is a spirit world after he's died. Mm-hmm. There's this huge area of life that that is all about God, you know. It's sort of uncharted, uncharted God. territory for yeah. humanity. Yeah. And 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 what I'm suggesting to your husband is that just because something's uncharted, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Just like a hundred years ago, it was uncharted that we could conceive of, you know, electronic devices that we have today. Two hundred years ago or three hundred years ago, it was it was. You know, while people imagined that they could fly, nobody ever tried, never did it successfully, and they all all died. And and so, you know, there's many historically proven, un, you know, areas where it was uncharted for humanity until somebody came along and said, "No, this is a possibility." And what I'm presenting is definitely a possibility because I've done it myself. I know that it's real. And and so, but but you don't have to believe me. But you can experiment with it, mm-hmm. just like just like. You know the Wright brothers experiment with flight, and you know, and there, there was always a, there was always a person who was first, and that person was generally always ostracised and ridiculed by their their contemporaries mm-hmm. before they, they presented scientific fact to their contemporaries. Mm-hmm. And so, what I'm suggesting is that your husband's already doing or practicing God's truth, but only in a very limited area of his life. Yeah. And so, for him to call you crazy, I would suggest well. Firstly, it's not very nice to call someone crazy, but uh, particularly when they're not. But secondly, um, you know, he himself, by his own definition, would then be crazy because he's trusting a whole heap of God's laws that are actually scientific truth as well. <laughs> and all of those things were reached through a process of uh, exploration, wondering, discovery, exactly. experimentation. And really what Kathy's engaged in is just a new form of exper- exploration, experimentation and discovery for herself which her husband is obviously a bit challenged by mm-hmm. and her husband doesn't necessarily necessarily agree with yeah. but just because he doesn't agree with it and just because he's challenged it doesn't mean that it, that it's not true yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know and i think uh, any person with a logical open mind mm-hmm. could see the logic of that argument yeah mm. yeah okay so is there anything else you'd the like? The second to, part is I'd like to read um, the question. Do you have any feedback that you could provide on how you recommend folks handle situations like this with their spouse? Yes. So now she's asking specifically about what she can do to help her husband mm-hmm. see that she's not gone nuts, and, yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah, actually okay. the, the desire she has to discover truth is actually a, a desire that most of humanity has. Yeah. Well, I, I think you could reason, firstly, on the from a logical perspective about the matter. Mm-hmm. You know, his, historically, humankind have had a desire to discover truth, even though that discovery is limited to the physical. Generally, mm-hmm. they have had a desire to discover truth. So, so why not discover emotional truth? Why not discover sexual truth? Why not discover so, uh, spiritual Spirit. truth? 
why not discover all the truth about dark matter, dark energy, dark mm-hmm. flow, all the things that scientists are now discovering mm-hmm. are real that we can't see. Why not discover the truth about those particular things? So I would put to your husband firstly that that it makes sense to discover these particular things, particularly bearing in mind that every time we discover a new truth, there's always happiness associated with it. Mm. But when man discovered that you could fly, uh, then it opened a whole realm of possibilities that you now personally engage every probably every year of your life, mm-hmm. where you go and fly, friends, see friends, family, you travel overseas. All these things became possible. The joys that are, are present once we discover new laws and then you know how to use them, are, ver- are, are beautiful joys, you know. And, yeah. and I would encourage your husband to, to um, try to discover those particular mm-hmm. things. Secondly, I want to talk about the issue of forcing a person's will. Mm-hmm. If your husband, even after that kind of a logical argument or reasoning, doesn't want to discover it, well, there, there's little you can do to do it except from not giving up the discovery yourself. And eventually, as you change and as you grow and as you receive the benefits of discovering God's laws and as you are able to engage the happiness that results from that, then sooner or later, it'll be proven to him that actually there is change occurring. There's something going on here that hasn't happened before. And then he may be drawn into actually following it. But God's truth will never force itself upon somebody. Mm -hmm. They have to be open to experience it. And, and so therefore, you should never force truth upon your partner. Mm-hmm. You should always wait until they're open to experience it. And, uh, and if your husband's not open to experience it, there might be many reasons. He might be scared of what his family thinks or what his friends think or what society thinks. There might be all sorts of fears associated with why he, he feels that you know, he can call you crazy, which, by the way, is not a very loving thing I'd point out to him um, to do. Because you're, you're basically uh, saying to Cathy that she needs to respect his free will, yes. but in calling her crazy, he's, he's sort he's of not really not respecting really hers. Respecting hers. So there is, a, there is a, an imbalance there in yeah. their relationship where, she, where he is not respecting her will yeah. and giving her the ability to ha- access her will as she desires. She's not harming their relationship. And in fact, uh, if she discovers more of God's truth, she'll help their relationship. She's not harming him sexually or emotionally. In fact, if she discovers more of God's truth, he'll, he'll enjoy his sexual and emotional life more with her if, if, you know, if they continue to grow in God's truth. So there's no danger of doing it, uh, aside from the, the, the threats and, and potential violence of other people who think you're crazy. (laughs) <laughs> and and historically that's always been the case any person who becomes a leader in their own community or their own family of change generally they are attacked until those those family members see that actually the reason for the attack is is fruit is not only fruitless or pointless yeah. but it's also the reason for the attack is um you know basically based upon their own fears mm-hmm. and that they have no real thing to fear anyway mm-hmm. once a person discovers more truth they're always in a state of more love that's a big theme that's come through in your answering to this question is that a lot of truth, the discovery of truth, is largely dictated by what society deems acceptable. Mm. And that happens in, that's reflected in families and in partnerships well, as well. What society isn't it? deems as acceptable is generally what families deem as yes. acceptable. Well, family and society kind of govern each other, don't yes, they? They, do. they? They uh, Each yeah. keeps the other in line. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that, what you're saying is that actually restricts how much truth, truth and these things you talked about in the beginning about the experimentation process that 
occurs with the discovery of truth is often limited to things that society deems they want to know about, not yes. about what other other people want to people want to know. Other people might want to know about about spiritual things. And stuff. Yes, yeah. it, it, from a logical perspective, God, if God exists, is an infinite being. Mm-hmm. And the universe appears to be infinite, although it's not, but the universe appears to be infinite. So there must be an infinite amount of truth or close to an infinite amount of truth that is available to humankind. We've discovered very little of it. Mm-hmm. And so that would tend to suggest then that there's a huge amount of truth that still needs to be discovered by humankind. Now, if that is the case then laughing at somebody who's attempting the discovery mm. is not the best way to discover it. In fact, if it was me, from a logical perspective, it makes sense to help the people who are trying to discover it, not yeah. hinder them yeah. in their discovery of truth. Yeah. So I would suggest to your husband that actually, you know, calling, calling your names doesn't, doesn't help you discover truth. It hinders you from discovering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so that is a, not an act of love, but rather an act of, of that actually in the end, is also not loving himself because if you do discover something that would benefit him, then surely it would be wonderful for him if, if that discovery was made. Yeah. So it makes no logical sense to, to, to try to limit a person from discovering new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is only emotional. It's only an emotional fear generally that causes people to be limited. And I would point that out to your husband that there must be some fear that causes him to feel that he should limit your own discovery of truth. Mm. Okay, mm. so to recap, you're saying that God's truth is not limited to just the spiritual realms. That, in fact, Kathy's husband is is dealing with God's truth every single. To the physical realms. I mean, God's truth is not just limited to the physical realms. Well, our our see- seeking of God's truth is not just a spiritual thing. It actually no. applies to our physical existence, and Correct. we actually have a lot of faith and knowledge and of a lot of God's truth. He does he right does. now. Yeah. <laughs> so really, so he's a bit of a hypocrite, so yeah. saying, <laughs> saying we well, don't want to discover more truth, but he's already benefiting from other people Who having have. discovered yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and so and. Um, it, just because it's uncharted truth that Kathy, unmeasured truth as yet, that Kathy's trying to or unproven, unproven to him, to him. Call it. yeah, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, and it also doesn't mean it hasn't been proven to others. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and you said that new truth means m- more happiness. Mm-hmm. That's a so that's why a would you limit universe? somebody from yeah. discovering new truth when there's a you know, always a more happiness that results? Yeah. And that it's essential to respect the free will of each other in a, in a spousal, in a marriage. Yes, too often we see people who discover divine truth trying to force their partners to do so. And, and what this is, uh, this demonstrates their lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Most spouses who do this uh, have an emotional reason of wanting their husband or wife to come along with them in the ride of the discovery of truth. And those emotional reasons are addictions because they're, they're, the reason why we know they're addictions is because they're breaking one of God's fundamental laws in order to impose the addiction. And the fundamental law is the law of free will. If you're imposing your will upon another, forcing them into trying to make the same choices or decisions that you are making, then already you're out of harmony with God's laws of love. Mm-hmm. And therefore you do not understand divine truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as a, as we go, if, if I, if we're the partner who's discovered divine truth, we would never force our partner who does not wish to know about it or does not wish to accept it or does not wish to discover it to discover it. Mm-hmm. And, and the, often the desire to help that partner 
is actually driven by quite selfish motivations that are out of harmony with love and certainly out of harmony with free will. Mm. Okay, thanks. Mind you, he's doing the same to her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Him, by trying to get her to stop doing it, Mm -hmm. he he is actually taking the same action. He's he's out of harmony with love. He's trying to force her will, Mm -hmm. and that's not a loving thing to do. And my advice to her would be, don't accept it. You know, don't don't accept the forced behaviour because it's out of harmony with love. Mm-hmm. Talk to your husband about it being out of harmony with love. You allow him to make his own choices and his own calls in life and his own discoveries. Why can't he allow you? Mm-hmm. And why can't you both love each other while you do it? Yeah. 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 And you mentioned a lot of times that comes from fear. Yes. Within th- that lack of allowance comes from fear. Yes, yeah, so she has a fear that if he doesn't come along, there might be trouble in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And he has a fear that if she progresses in the ways she is, that there might be trouble in their relationship. Yeah. And they both are really having the same fear, ironically. Yeah. Just uh, And it's just being exercised in different directions. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. How do spirits attach to or overcloak earthly persons, what is the mechanism, the scientific mechanism by which this occurs? Well, uh, I feel um, we've answered that question a lot uh, and I feel that we probably don't need to go into a lot of detail here about it. Um, Cathy, if you listen to yesterday's channelling that Mary did with a group of uh, spirits who who, who had exploited the weaknesses of people on earth, um, you will find a lot of the answers to that question in that channeling. But basically what it is, is that the addictions of humanity cause certain attra- feelings of attraction to occur between humanity and spirits. And so spirits come who also have what I would call sympathetic addictions. In other words, a spirit wants, say, the addiction of power to be met. The human person feels in a, period, a state of powerlessness. The spirit comes and affects the person because the, the spirit feels the, the, their own addiction to power being met by the person being powerless. Mm-hmm. Now, this happens every single day of your life, even for everyone on earth. So there's no, it's no different to what's happening on earth. It's exactly the same. You mean between people? Yes, yeah, the interactions between, between people. Yeah. And so the exact thing that happens to attract people together on earth via the law of attraction, mm-hmm. happens between spirits and earth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that would make sense from God's perspective. From God's perspective, God made a law, the law of attraction. The law of attraction works no matter what dimensional space you're in. So, so this law, being a law that, that governs the universe and being constant, means that should a person divest their physical body, they will still be attracted to the same things. So just like on earth, you know, a whole heap of people who want to drink finish up turning up at the pub or at a hotel, uh, a bar mm-hmm. in, in the US uh, term, I think, <laughs> and, and, and drink themselves silly until they can't stand up. And so too, when the person passes, they, if they still have that desire for the same emotional reasons, they're going to be attracted to the same place. We have talked in, there were talks that I did in Greece a long time ago now, I think it was in 2013 or might have even been 12, where we actually outlined the attractions that occur between spirits and humanity, and we went through many examples. Mm. That, and we've done that in many presentations, actually. 
Yeah, and have we done that publicly where you talk about literally almost like the the phys- the spirit body or chakra issues that connect? I yes. Think, yes, we did that, we in, did Greece. that in Greece. With regards to sexuality, we did that in Greece in, as well. Yes, in Re- yeah. but of course it doesn't it, just, it just apply to sexuality. It applies to all attractions. Yeah. So the attraction of power, of sadness, of... Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of human emotion that we experience or attempt to suppress through addiction. And when we attempt to suppress emotion through addiction, we automatically create the attraction. Mm -hmm. And the attraction is actually, when you see it as a spirit, you see it as a colour coming out of the person. And yesterday we did another channeling where there were a group of spirits trying to help others reincarnate. Mm -hmm. And they actually described some of the colours. And those colours were coming out of people who had the feeling they wanted to remain on earth. Mm-hmm. And that, that particular feeling, which the spirits interpret as a desire to reincarnate, uh, caused those spirits to try to help the person get back into another body on earth. Mm-hmm. And, and if you listen to many of these channelings, you will actually learn a lot about the scientific way in which the attractions occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is an actual... Um uh, spirit body interaction, isn't it? it, it yes, it's. It, you could if you, you could think of it as magnets. Yeah. Like, um, if the average person thought of it as a magnetic attraction, but based on emotion rather than the the theory of magnetism or mm-hmm. the or the truth of magnetism, we could say because there is that truth. And yeah. um, so, codependent emotions create a magnetic pull between two people. And they will eventually, even if they're on Earth, meet meet each other as a result of that magnetic pull. And it's exactly the same for a spirit being pulled to the Earth and and people in the Earth giving emotions to spirits. The people on Earth give the emotion to spirits because the people on Earth want a feeling from the spirit. And as a spirit pointed out yesterday, all he has to do is give them that feeling and the pull is is heightened. It's stronger. Mm -hmm. They can then feed thoughts through that connection. Mm-hmm. They can cause the person to make decisions through that connection and through the unhealed emotional state and their addictions. Mm-hmm. And and this is so you can think of it as like two magnets, one north, one south, being pulled towards each other and eventually they get into a really good connection with each other that now a lot of other things can happen through that connection. Mm-hmm. Right? Where you can though if two magnets were kept apart, you could not transmit any electronic signal through them. Mm-hmm. But if two magnets eventually join together, now you can transmit through that material even an electronic signal. You can yeah. you can transmit other signals through the because you've now joined together. Yeah. And this is what happens is that the spirits and the people on earth have codependent addictions. That, that are sympathetic in nature, one feeds the other and the mm-hmm. other feeds the one that they want. Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, it pulls them together, pulls them together. And eventually, once they get so close together as to be, uh, as to have the spirit overcloaking the person, mm-hmm. now lots of other things can occur through that attraction, including the person, you know, um, hearing about a past life and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. as some people do. Uh, directing the actions Direct- of that person on earth. Yes, yeah. and all those kind of things. Yeah. Many of those things, of course, are not true. They're just, they're just the feeding of the addictions. They're not God's truth. God's truth is the law of attraction is working perfectly. Mm-hmm. So which bits are not true, sorry? the Well, you know, just because a spirit tells you about a past life, it doesn't mean you've had one. No. And, yes. just, yeah. and in fact, nobody on earth has had one aside from 14 people. Yeah. So, you know, just because a spirit tells you something, it yeah. doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. But, 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 but the truth is 
the law of attraction will allow the communication to occur. Yes. And the law of attraction will allow, if a person is in so much, co- a person on earth is in so much codependence with a spirit, that, that overcloaking that occurs means that they've given up their will so much that the, the spirit can actually begin to influence their words, actions, behavior, emotions, the whole bit. Yeah. And if you think about it with mediumship that we do, um, if I was to allow like a full trance channeling, that would be allowing a spirit to overcloak me completely. Yes. Whereas now, in that moment, in that moment mm. it, now what I'm doing is I'm feeling, there's a feeling transmission <coughs> mm-hmm. that, that I'm, well, I'm asking for to yes. happen. And as such, I can convey the emotions very closely of the spirit that, yes. that I'm channeling. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, uh, but there's also an emotional reason why she asked the question. Great. There's also some fear associated with spirit influence that needs to be addressed here. A spirit can only only influence you if you have an addiction that you want the spirit to meet. And that applies to any person on earth or in the spirit world. Your husband can only influence you if you have an addiction you want him to meet or you desire him to influence you as a, as a true desire. In other words, you've asked him for help, so he's influencing <laughs> you. Only, it's only those two circumstances that can even cause anybody on earth or in the spirit world to influence you. Mm-hmm. So there's no need to be afraid about the mechanism. The key is to deal with your unhealed addictions. And once you address the addictions, the attraction will not exist between yourself and other people, whether those people are in spirit or not. And, um, and then, of course, since the attraction does not exist, then the influence cannot occur. I think a lot of people freak out about the spirit influence side of things because they can't see the spirit and they worry that and they worry that because they can't see the spirit they're worried you know what kind of influence they have the reality is the spirits have the same similar kind of influence over them that their friends have over them and their yeah. family has over them and their yeah. and people down the street have over them and so forth yeah. and all of that influence is 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 taken over the person because of the different feelings they want to engage yeah. so if i if i have a desire to fit, fit in with society which obviously your husband has Kathleen, um then i might be drawn into ridiculing someone who's not fitting in with society anymore and spirits can influence me in that. And spirits uh, can feed me that, that information, heighten that, that emotion. Heighten that emotion. Yeah. That's what can happen. It, just like a person on earth can. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so this is, where, this is how advertising and marketing and newspaper and, and TV and you know, media work is that they are frequently manipulating the fears of people, the addictions of people, and that's how they get things done. That's how, that's how Coke sells you a Coke. That's, you know, that's how a, a beer manufacturer sells you a beer. They're marketing to your unhealed emotional addictions. And, and that's how they get, that's how you get to buy certain things. And, and in fact, most of the world operates this way. Yeah. So why would it be any different with spirits operating that way yeah. towards you? There's no difference at all. Yeah. 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 Great. Hmm. Can spirits have sex in the same way as we do here on Earth? <laughs> and there's a second part to that. So yeah. if so, why overcloak or attach to someone on Earth in order to have sex or to drink or do drugs, etc.? Et 
Um, yes, spirits can have sex in the same way we do here on Earth, with the exception, of course, that it's more of an energetic transfer of emotion than it is a sexual connection. But the, the you se- can't procreate from that. You can't sex, procreate from it, yeah. but you you can. You know, there is a woman in the spirit world still has a vagina, yeah. and a man in the spirit world still has a penis. And in fact, uh, if they didn't, you you. It would be a bit weird because you, 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 one moment on earth you have one and then when you arrive in the spirit world you don't, you'd be a bit confused, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, you can. The reason why spirits generally don't is because in the hells where most, where, or in the earthbound condition, most of the attractions in the spirit, in spirit are attractions to people who have the same condition as yourself. Mm-hmm. So what actually finishes up happening is that if you're a male who wants to rape a person or harm a person, a woman on earth, Mm -hmm. or any woman, and you pass over and you think you can get away with it, you'll band together with another group of males. It's highly unlikely there will be any females with you. Would there not be uh, females attracted through... um that same kind of attraction, well, women with fear of being depends, attacked. Depends, yes, but right. can, that yeah. can be the case. But yeah. usually they don't reside in the same location and they can't find each other. Because one is in a worse condition than Correct. the other. Correct. Usually yeah. a woman who's who's got fear of being raped or has been raped, has got fear of being raped, is in a higher condition mm-hmm. and therefore than the man who's potentially the wanting rapist. to rape. Yeah. Well, he might not have ever raped on earth, by the mm-hmm. way. He mm-hmm. just might, wanted, might have yeah. wanted to. And, and they are in completely different conditions. One is a brighter condition than the other, mm-hmm. even though they are various conditions of darkness. And so the darker person cannot see the brighter one. And in not seeing the brighter one, the, he, he comes to a place where he can see a person. Yeah. And earth is a place because all spirits can see your physical body. They come to earth and, and therefore try to do what they want to do on earth. Because on earth there's a mixing of... Uh, Conditions, correct. Yeah. Well, well, it's not any mixing of conditions. Generally, the condition is quite bad. But, yeah. but even notwithstanding all of that, they can see the physical body still. Right. So, so when they're both in spirit, they have to be able to see the spirit body. And mm-hmm. if one spirit body is brighter than the other, the darker one cannot see the brighter spirit unless the brighter spirit demonstrates itself, mm-hmm. or the darker one allows itself to see, which most of the time doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, and most darker spirits don't even realise that that's a potential. Mm-hmm. So, so what do they do instead? They come to a place where they can see women, and then they influence them. Mm-hmm. It's like the drinker. There's no alcohol in the spirit world. So, so while they are capable of drinking water, water is the only liquid generally you drink in the spirit world, and while they're capable of drinking water, they don't want to drink water. They wanted to get the buzz from alcohol. Yeah. The only way they can do that is through an energetic connection with a person on earth who's actually drinking alcohol and mm-hmm. share in the experience with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so as long as that person has some addictions that they can connect to, as we've explained in the previous question, mm-hmm. they can connect to that addiction. And then now that condition, addiction is fed, now there's a feeding of other feelings. And if the other feeling is the buzz that comes from getting drunk, then that feeling can be transmitted to the spirit and the spirit can share in the feeling. And so this is why most spirits are not attracted to dealing with things in the spirit world and not attracted to having sex in the spirit world and, and, and not, and they instead are attracted to earth. Another reason is because they like the power of the people not knowing what's happening. Right. Whereas if in the, if you're in this, if you're both spirits, both spirits know what is going on, yeah. right? Where and there are places in the hills where there is just sex going on constantly yeah. between spirits. 
Yeah. And there are places in the hills that do that. But before that point, usually those spirits are bound to the earth for a long period of time. And they, and they are not interested in anything uh, that other spirits exist or any of these other things. Yeah. And so what do they do? They come to earth and try to overcoke and influence people on earth. Yeah. And my, sorry, go ahead. They also don't know about the spirit world, most people who pass. Yeah. They don't even believe in one. Yeah. Right. And so the earth is the only thing that's real to them yeah. as a result. And so, so you're only going to surround the places that are real. So there's many reasons why, there's many answers to this question as to why spirits generally would not engage other spirits in activities that they could engage, particularly first, after first passing. Yeah. On Earth instead. Yeah. They will generally focus their attention on Earth instead. Yeah. And here we're talking about spirits who don't have loving intentions because certainly I had a lot of sex with you in the spirit world when I lived there. So spirits do have sex there. It's just that my feeling is a lot of the spirits who are involved in other people's sexual relationships on the earth, so yeah. in the way that Kathy's talking about, is that, as you've mentioned, there's a lot of other emotional addictions they're getting met through that. Of Often it's not... Sometimes they want sexual feelings that they feel like they can't get because they're in this dark condition or an earthbound condition. But sometimes, as you mentioned, it's about power, it's about control, it's about a lot of other emotions A lot of it's about playing the field, yeah. even just that emotion. Like... like Real, the real sex that occurs in the spirit world that's beyond the second sphere and, and particularly beyond the eighth, mm-hmm. you only have with your soulmate. Yep. Now, the closer you get to that condition, you're not interested in sex with anyone else. You're not interested in frequenting places where there's sex with anyone else. You're yep. not, it's only in the hells where you're interested in that. Yeah. It's only in the hells that you want to engage in that kind of activity. And, and this is why spiritual pursuits on earth that are involved in tantric sex between multiple partners are in the hells. Yeah. Because, because they are, they are, they are denying the one primary truth about the human soul and that it's two halves and mm-hmm. they're soulmates and they are the only persons that God designed for us to eventually have sex with in the first place. So, so the reality is most of what goes on in the hells of the spirit world is completely against God's laws. That's why the hells exist. Mm-hmm. It's why the people who live there live there. And the earth condition is a hellish condition. So, and, and in addition to that, most spirits who pass have no knowledge of the spirit world. So therefore they feel very inclined to get all of these addictions that they can no longer get met where they are by being on the earth. And in fact, for the majority of them, they don't even realize that they've died. Yeah. They don't even realize that, that, you know, they could leave the earth if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. They don't even understand where they would go if they did. Mm-hmm. That, so the earth to them is still their home. Yeah. So, so it makes complete sense as to why they, you know, for, Get for involved. many hundreds yeah. of reasons again, <laughs> as to why these spirits are attracted to have this influence on earth. Yeah. And as you've, I mean, you've spoken about this a lot in various ways. And I think there's even channelings of spirits talking about doing this at various times. But also there's the issue that, uh, spirits who pass in an earthbound condition, as you've mentioned, a lot of times they don't realise that they've passed. And I think also that people have this concept of them that they are as intellectually dominant as we are right now when often... um, Well, many of them are, but... But often they're driven... They're not... Well, perhaps I should say... Well, they're driven more by their appetites and desires. That's what I'm trying to say. And if I can explain why... The main reason why yep. they're driven by their appetites and desires is because there is not the constraint of people 
of societal judgment. They can get away with it invisibly. Yes. So, so, so now they allow their appetites and desires to take full control. Mm-hmm. They could choose to not allow it, mm-hmm. but they don't because they feel that, well, nobody's taking, nobody knows what I'm doing. I can get away with it now. I'm not going to go to jail if I try and push someone off the cliff. Yeah. I'm not going to go to jail if I try to rape a woman. I'm not going to go to jail if I do all this. There's no threat of societal mm-hmm. constraint or punishment. And so they decide to do whatever they can do. Yeah. And this is exactly the condition that the spirit yesterday, who was doing these things, yeah. um, he, he came to us and talked to us about why he did it. Because people on earth are a pushover. They want it to happen, yeah. is what he was saying. And it's very true. Yeah. It is very true. Yeah. And I spoke, what I was trying, yes, it is very true. And what I was trying to say in addition to that is that most people on earth aren't very self-reflective about why they do things. And so to, can, to think that a spirit is actually analyzing why they're doing something is yeah, illogical. So totally. what I mean is like we're sitting here being quite self-reflective about ourselves and why we do things and all of our motivations and our emotions. But most people on earth aren't like that. No. And so most spirits who were just people on earth when they pass, they don't magically become self-reflective. They just... They just do what they feel like doing. Yeah. Just like the average person on earth does. With one exception, the average person on earth is constrained by law, humankind law, Whereas, whereas, uh, and, and, and by God's laws, of and, course. And a bit of uh, societal shame. Like yeah. the, the, well, that's what I mean by yeah. human laws. Yeah. Look, and I don't mean by laws by the written law. Yeah. I mean by the law of, you know, how, what it, what, how much are you going to get attacked if you, <laughs> yeah. if you disagree with the average person in, you know, on earth, you know. Yeah. And those kind of laws even have a greater effect on them. But you take away those limitations, the average person on earth would not consider any of their actions. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the reality is, very few people on earth consider their actions based on a, from a position of ethics or morality. Yeah. So that's why these spirits engage in immoral and unethical behaviour after they pass, yeah. because they did so on earth oh, already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in in those particular aspects, and there is no other limiting societal judgment or yeah. law. No one would, can see them. No one can see them, so there's yeah. less of a reason for not doing it. Yeah. And there's only the good reason for doing it from their perspective. Yeah. Of yeah. course, as I demonstrated to the spirit yesterday, he was getting darker by the minute and where he was going to end up was going to be a pretty bad place if he continued doing it. Yeah. And most of them don't even realise that yeah. because they're earthbound and they don't know what their eventual result will be from their actions. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Okay. Are there extraterrestrial extraterrestrial beings that look different to humans? No. The current spiritual environment would say a resounding yes to that, (laughs) but I don't ever hear you discuss this, nor do I hear mention of it in some of the books you have suggested about the spirit world. Perhaps there are... There's a reason for that. The answer is no. There isn't. (laughs) There isn't. However, there are many of the people who channel, you know, so-called energies or spirits don't realise that they're actually channeling humans who used to live on Earth who are in very, very dark conditions Mm -hmm. and who are also portraying themselves to be extraterrestrials Mm -hmm. uh, so that they get some level of control or interest from the person on earth Mm -hmm. so so it's easy to project an image as a spirit to a person on earth if that person is magnetically as we've described before open or emotionally open to receiving the image 
And so if I believe in extraterrestrials that look like big aliens with big heads and little bodies, then of course I can easily have an image projected at me that of that yeah. because I'm openly accepting that particular perspective. And then as a result of that, I can be easily influenced to believe those particular things. Mm-hmm. And it gives the spirits involved a feeling of power over my life and a power over my belief systems, which obviously feeds some of their codependent addictions. So, so there are many, you know, like lizard forms and other forms and animal forms yeah. and everything that are presented by spirits to humanity. But the reality is no one exists in this universe in terms of a conscious human soul based being with free will and thinking mm-hmm. that doesn't look like us. Okay. Even though there may be, if you can call them extraterrestrials, mm-hmm. um, there would be different Earths mm-hmm. and different people who look like us on those Earths. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because quite, is quite simple. God designed a human to be the best possible design it could possibly be. Yeah. And God doesn't design things <laughs> unless it's the best possible. If God designed the pinnacle of God's creation to be the best possible design. Yeah. Now, all the other creatures God did not design in that way. God designed for variety. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it comes to the human form, God created it in a, a, a the best possible way that God could, which, which is the reason why all free thinking and and free will based beings in the universe are all look like us, mm-hmm. and you will meet them in the future. You can meet them in the future, yeah. um, but but there is certainly no extraterrestrials as de- as defined by you know these people on Earth who, are, um, what would you say you know coming up with all of these imaginary beings. Uh-huh. And the reason, Palladians and um, well, you know, they're people, they're spirits who claim yeah. to be such. Yeah, and they 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 claim to be such for all sorts of reasons. And I've spoken to them, and in the end, I've talked to them about their earth life. Every one of them's yeah. had an earth life. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's just claims they make. They they want humans to believe certain things because if the human believes it, then they'll accept the influence. Yeah. And, and this is a problem. Yeah. And fear is also an influence. So, you know, even things like taking a body from a human and torturing it and putting it back on Earth and extraterrestrials so-called doing that, these are all spirits doing this in, mm-hmm. in people's sleep state. So these are actual events that occur in the sleep state of the individual. But the person on Earth is very open to that event occurring. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Kathy goes on and she says, perhaps there are separate spirit worlds for different races. No. I'm, and she says, I'm confused by the exclusion of this topic and the sheer prevalence of it in mainstream spiritual teachings. Yes. The, the reason why it's in mainstream spiritual teachings is because the, the majority of people who are channeling these particular spirits who are involved, who are, who are all people who have lived on earth, mm-hmm. is... Uh, that is that this, the people who are channeling them are not aware and cannot feel the history of the individuals. And so they present it as a truth when it's not a truth. And I, and we only present truths, not, yeah. we don't present a whole heap of things that are false. We have explained as to why there are, that is very prevalent for mm-hmm. people to believe in these groups of people and in to believe these ex, in extraterrestrials such as Palladians and others. Mm-hmm. And, and we've explained that in quite a lot of detail. But, but, but unfortunately, the majority of people don't wish to accept that yeah. and therefore do not wish to fully investigate the spirits they're actually channeling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the main reason why, you know, we don't, 
we don't wish to channel those people aside from helping them come to terms with why they are lying to humanity. And we have we and have done that in the past, haven't we? We have done, yes. We've spoken to spirits who call themselves Palladians and yes. they've come to... And we haven't recorded such no. ta- uh, uh, mediumship, but, but the reality is we've spoken to many of them. And as I said, every single one of them in the end is proven to be a person who used to live on Earth or a group of people who used to live on Earth. And in fact, the energy of these groups is quite low. Mm -hmm. So the reality is that many of them are only able to be attracted to Earth because of the low condition of the people who are channeling them. And sadly, they kind of gain energy from the the adoration or the fascination or the... Which is the, their addiction. Yeah, from the people on earth. they What they want from people on earth is a sense of status and power and uh, authority and knowledgeability. Yes. And when people on earth give that emotion to them and put, place them above themselves, mm. place the spirits above themselves, yeah. this is actually feeding a very negative codependent sort it of uh, situation. And as you mentioned earlier... Because the people on earth can't actually feel the spiritual condition of these spirits in terms of their condition of love, they end up in these quite damaging codependent uh, interactions, don't they? Mm. Yes, and so you get these lizard people and these Palladians and there's all these other things channeling to groups of people on earth and these people passionately believe that all of these people are real and so forth and none of it's actually anything more than people in the spirit world who are falsifying their identity in order to impress people on earth, in order to have some level of control or some kind of emotional experience with those people on earth. When when I prepare this outline, because next to the audio and the video on our website there'll be an outline, I'll do my best to try and provide some links to other talks where you've actually spoken about these things in, in depth yes. under yeah. each of Kathy's questions because there, you have covered this material. But it, we understand there's so much material and also sometimes you've spoken about these very specific things in the context of quite a broad topic that has nothing yes. to do with that specific yes. topic. And we're, so, we're conscious that, yeah. you know, there's... A couple of thousand hours of material out there and the average person is going to spend a lifetime listening to it if they listen to it at all. And so, yes, that's why we're wanting to focus a bit of attention on our FAQ series of stuff Mm -hmm. so that we can, so people can do a search of a specific subject or, and, and get a list of different things. That being said, we have spoken of this in the FAQ series under spirits and spirits influence. So I would suggest all of her questions are actually answered in that, in those, in those FAQ series. The ones about spirits, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I think a video discussing why current spiritual teachings are not correct would be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I did watch some that you posted, but they didn't answer my questions. Yeah, she doesn't say what questions. No, they're coming. They're coming, but let's let's answer them when they come. But uh, the reason why we generally don't do that is because we can spend a lot of time and waste a lot of time, um, you know, talking about why something isn't true still without presenting the truth. Yeah. And and so we've got to get a balance between those two things. We have talked about why a lot of things aren't true, but we have to also present the truth. And at this stage, we've barely scratched the surface of presenting the truth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we feel a priority should be... Uh, I've just got to have a cough. Just saying a second. Yeah, we feel a priority should be that we present the truth as well as also address some of the issues of why things are false. Yeah. And uh, 
And that unfortunately does mean sometimes that we can't spend a lot of time addressing a whole heap of things that are false all the time without presenting the truth. Mm -hmm. The other reason why we don't do that either generally is that whenever you present, whenever you talk about something that is false, people are left hanging. They're left without faith, without anything then. And that is Feeling also, what is true. What is well? There's this, a lot of doubt. They're yeah. discouraged. They have a lot of emotional responses mm-hmm. to that. And unless you also present the truth about that particular thing, there's nothing for them to go to. Mm-hmm. And so now they are open to all sorts of influences, which are quite damaging and dangerous. In the sense that a whole heap of people can come along and present another whole series of untruths, and they accept those. Mm-hmm. And and so. I always like, if I'm presenting a false, uh, you know, the truth about something that's false, I also like to present not only why it's false, yeah. but also what the truth is about that yes. same subject. And to do that requires a comprehensive discussion of the subject. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got so many subjects to comprehensively discuss <laughs> that uh, we're going to be going, as we are now, uh, for many, many years to come yeah. um, discussing these particular things. Yeah. So in time, we will do that, but... <laughs> But you can see that um, whenever you remove a falsehood, there is actually a need for the person who's loving to to also present the truth on the same subject. Otherwise, it exposes the individuals to to a lot of potentially unloving events, who who mm. where their their old belief system has been destroyed, mm-hmm. and yet there's nothing to replace it with. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why we choose to do it the way we do it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. All right, so here's some specific questions. Perhaps we can have a break now. Yeah, And then And then answer continue. the specific questions. Yeah, beautiful. Yep.